This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Finance Talkback and Barry Preston speaking with Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson of the New South Wales Fraud Squad. Not a happy subject, but a subject we've got to talk about. Uh, and, of course, bringing the subject of fraud to our listeners must help them to become more aware of what's out there and help in protecting, as I said, our hard-earned cash and assets. Nothing to be scared of, but if we're aware of these things, we can be more alert of what's going on. Absolutely. Cole, skimming. Um, I believe you may be focusing on this area at the moment. What's this skimming all about? Uh, there's a lot of it going on, is there? Yes, absolutely. I mean, criminals, especially organised crime groups, are um, becoming more aware that technology creates opportunities for them, um, and they're becoming more adept at, or more technically savvy on how to um, exploit these devices. And mainly, um, it has been ATMs. We're all aware of the devices that um, gangs have been putting on the front of ATMs to uh, to harvest the uh, the data on our mag stripes, on the uh, on our cards, and our PIN numbers. Well. Um, there's a trend at the moment where they're actually uh, doing similar things to the FPOS terminals. They're the things we swipe our cards through when we buy something in shops. Right. Um, and they're acquiring the, the actual terminals, the just that little piece at the end of the uh, cord that we swipe the card through. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're compromising the actual device by placing some um, circuitry within the device itself, right. an actual skimmer with a transmitter on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then does the same as the devices on the ATM. When you swipe your card, um, it collects the data, stores it, um, including your PIN number, and transmits it then to a device that they may have within a certain um, distance, and it can go up to 100 metres. Um, and as, as people are buying um, uh, goods, they're actually downloading uh, their, their data off their cards into their device, and they're able to put it on a new card or a, cl- a clone card and take money out through the ATM system. And these AA, these FPOS machines can be set up in the stores. How do they get them set in the stores, Cole? Well, initially, some some months ago, they were actually um, colluding with people uh, in the smaller um, convenience stores. They were actually paying the people behind the counter to uh, um, turn a blind eye why they uh, acquired the, the FPOS terminal from the shop and replaced it with one that had the device inside it. Well, of late, and the vast majority now, are, are merely shoplifted. Um, and so the retailers listening uh, should be mindful of this it could occur in any type of retail environment any form any type of shop and we've had over 30 different types of businesses affected mm-hmm. um, and they uh, they merely shoplift the uh, FPOS terminal and uh, replace it with one that's been tricked up um, and then uh, they will wait outside they'll be within a certain distance and when, as uh, um, purchases go through they collect the data I noticed you had a part in the paper this morning, the Daily Telegraph, where you said that often they can use cameras to get the person's pin as they put the number in. Is this correct, little hidden cameras? Yes, uh, it depends on the technology in the shop, but they can acquire uh, the pin by putting a, uh, a camera in the roof, uh, similar to the cameras we see on ATMs. But of late, uh, and that's occurring in another state, um, but what we're seeing in New South Wales is very much the technology within the FPOS terminal itself that acquires the pin automatically. Is there any way of protecting against that? Uh, it's difficult because you, there's no out. The, the FPOS terminal looks exactly um, as it should. It looks completely normal. So, um, but the best preventative measure is for people to change their pins. You can change the pin on your card, um, and to do that regularly, we have for long, a long time now been recommending people to change their passwords on the computer, for instance. 
to uh, stop similar um, similar offences occurring that way. Well, uh, the time has come now for people to change the PIN number on their cards and do that, uh, I would say, once a month. Regularly. That's right. You're really changing your signature, aren't you? And unfortunately for older people, they think it's a bit difficult to got to find a PIN that they can remember. However, you're really protecting your cash and assets, aren't you? Yes, that's right. I mean, especially with your uh, debit cards, they're the keys to your bank account. Credit cards... That's something different, but the debit card is the uh, is the gateway into your uh, savings. Mm-hmm. It's really something you need to protect. True. So be aware of those sort of things. Be alert and be aware. And if anything has happened, this is where another thing you should pre- check your statements regularly and in detail. Yes, absolutely. And if uh, you find any unauthorised transactions on your credit card statements or obviously withdrawals from your savings, you should report that straight away to your bank to, uh, and the bank will then conduct inquiries to make sure or to verify the fact that you have been defrauded. Uh, The other thing uh, that can be done are retailers themselves should be very aware of the FPOS terminals they have. Um, We've found a lot of retailers don't even know the serial numbers of the FPOS machines they have um, in their store and don't realise how valuable these things are to offenders. So really they need to uh, record the serial numbers and do regular audits to make sure the FPOS terminals they have are the ones that they should have. Must be pretty lucrative because I noticed in your article this morning the $40,000 was mentioned of the criminals paying it to some of the retailers. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um, and, um, you know, I've got no hesitation to say that the, the, the total amount involved in these offences is uh, in tens, maybe um, up to $70 million in total. So, f- so $40,000 is peanuts to them, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, another area, we've got lots of areas to get through today. From uh, comments that we've had, Col, there is a telephone scam going on where offenders with, uh, as we know, Indian accents, cold call people armed with their names and allege that either unclaimed superannuation, that there's some tax money waiting for you, and old bank accounts. Is this on again now? Yes, it uh, never really got away, but uh, they take advantage of the situation at the moment. Um, it's tax time. And uh, we're finding people are being uh, called at home uh, from people claiming to be from the uh, tax a from the ATO, and saying that um, either they can um, acquire them um, more as, from the tax return, and amounts such as three and a half to five thousand dollars have been quoted, um, or that they have money owing to them mm-hmm. that haven't been uh, paid to them in the past. There's a whole lot of different scenarios put to the victim. Hmm. Uh, the bottom line is, of course, they'll say, well, what we need from you is uh, an administration fee, um, and to put the money in, we need your bank account details. And also they use another uh, money transfer company, don't they? Yes, they use a money transmitter, um, and businesses never, never um, well, they don't do businesses this way, this way. Uh, government agencies especially, they won't cold call you, they won't use uh, call centres, hmm. um, and they won't... Uh, the other is that uh, they say they're from the uh, banking sector and that they have money, um, excess money paid in fees or they're from a, super, a superannuation company and you have hidden uh, superannuation that you don't know about. Mm. Uh, there's a variety of things. Of course, the money doesn't exist, but they're just after your bank account details. And often if you, they, they, they just want to get a bit of money for you with the administrative costs. They ask you to transfer it through Western Union, I think, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Um, and, of course... Um, <laughs> business conducted that way yeah. and um, 
especially government agencies don't do business that way. Right. And normally uh, the, the account that you have to transfer the money to is located uh, in the subcontinent. Hmm. One of the things there that people have got to be aware of, number one, superannuation funds don't contact you. Tax age, the taxation department doesn't contact you in that, reman- in that manner and banks don't contact you. Is that correct? No, that's right. They won't ring you by telephone and, and not, certainly not with a, a, a proposal like that. And they won't uh, send you an email. They'll send you a very formal-looking letter saying, um, this is the situation, please contact us. And then you really should contact them and make sure that uh, they are genuine. Have a look at the phone number in the book, telephone book. Just don't go by what's on the letter either. Yes, that's right. I mean, there's uh, people shouldn't provide um, anyone uh, with their personal um, details of their bank accounts or even their, their private identification information over the phone or by email unless they are absolutely sure that it is a legitimate request. And normally those things are not transferred from the person unless that person instigates it. That's right. And certainly no one will ever ask you for your PIN number. Finance Talkback is the program and Barry Preston talking to Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson from we the Fraud Squad. We certainly are and uh, Colin's the Chief or the Commander of the Fraud Squad State Crime Command in New South Wales Police Force and we're Cole's imparting some of his knowledge and bringing us up to date with the things that are happening in the world of fraud. Cole, you also mentioned some type of fraud involving motor vehicle sales online. What's this all about? Yes, we're seeing, um, I mean... Uh, the motor vehicles are the most popular, but there are other sorts of goods um, offered as well. But what the offenders are doing are duplicating the photo and details of a car that is advertised legitimately online, mm-hmm. um, and that's through a variety of different sites where cars are offered for sale. They'll duplicate the ad, they'll put a, a false name in, and they'll offer this vehicle for a, at a dramatically reduced uh, cost. So it would be half the normal market value of the car mm-hmm. and there's always an urgent need to sell it and normally they will be overseas somewhere mm-hmm. uh, which the offenders are um, but the car is here locally and there's always a reason why um, the intended purchaser can't see it it might be uh, locked up in uh, in a warehouse somewhere and access isn't available etc etc but it's always very urgent they always have about to take the uh, deposit from someone else mm-hmm. uh, they will get the intended um purchase are very excited um, and if they get too excited they generally if, uh, if people come excited about something they don't think with their heart they yes. their head they think with their heart um, and common sense is out the window and they will pay, they will uh, send money overseas normally the instruction is send it once again by western union um, and i'm sure western union don't mind me mentioning because they have warnings all over their forms hmm. advising people to think before they actually send the money hmm. um, and the money's gone the, the car is not for sale it's already been sold legitimately you've just made a Uh, gift in other words yeah and you've lost your money and there's basically no way of getting it back you guys really can't track it you might be able to track it no the offenders are overseas Uh, fraud is a global market these days so if you're sending money the money overseas and you don't you're not 100 percent confident that this is a uh, legitimate transaction well chances are you've lost your money goodbye so be careful be careful be careful and again if it sounds too good to be true guess what it's too That's good right. to be true. Absolutely. Now, another one. This is a little. This is a very challenging one. Um, how about organised crime groups embedding members f- from their gang into businesses to target opportunities to commit fraud, such as mortgage fraud? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's not just the individual who is a, a potential victim to identity crime. Um, Organisations are very vulnerable as well, and uh, organised crime groups have uh, discovered that if they can either recruit um, an existing employee or staff member of an organisation or embed someone by having them um, uh, apply for a job and, and win it, they may be in a position to place the organised crime group in a position of advantage. That could be that um, they will um, draw information from the various holdings, data holdings within the uh, company, depending on the sort of business they're engaged in, mm. um, to commit identity crime. Um, it could be that the, uh, the organisation might be vulnerable itself um, to some sort of fraud, and they will actually uh, either provide the organised crime group with information on how to... Uh, perpetrate the crime or facilitate the um, commission of the crime themselves. Uh, they're not particularly worried about whether they're caught, if they are, mm. um, and if the organisation um, doesn't uh, display itself as having a robust fraud philosophy, and that is that one that if you're discovered you will be charged, because there's many organisations out there that, for one reason or another, um, don't report fraud. If they're defrauded, uh, they merely dismiss the employee. And all that does is make them a... that displays them as a soft target for fraud mm -hmm. um, and makes them a greater target. Yeah, and organised crime groups are aware of that. Um, and they will build a profile on a, on a corporate entity, on an organisation as being a soft target, and they will take every possible avenue they can, they can uh, to... Um, to defraud the organisation or defraud whoever it's, uh, they has a business relationship with. So they could uh, use, in this area, somebody embedded in a company, they could build up something and get identity theft. Now, identity fraud, this happens, but what do we mean by stealing someone's identity? Well, these days, uh, identity is far more than just your name, date of birth and address. It's all that information that we use ourselves to le legitimately prove who we are on a day-to-day basis because uh, business is conducted um, by remote control, really. Mm. So there's no face-to-face -face contact. You have to prove who you are, and it's all that information we have. Um, so it's your name, it's your date of birth, it's the obvious ones, but it's also your pins, it's your passwords, it's your bank account details. It can even be utility bills and documents that you might receive in the mail, um, it can be a variety of things, and it can even be your uh, your email address. Um, everything that you use to verify who you are can be used by an organised crime group um, to masquerade as you, hmm. and then either take money from your bank account, take out loans in your name, um, basically do all those business transactions or financial transactions that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but, of course, they're reaping the rewards. You know, we're really encouraged to protect our identity, yet under the, uh, under the new Money Laundering and Terrorism Act, when dealing with certain businesses, you're required to disclose, in fact, a lot of very detailed information. But I suppose in this case, you are the one that instigates the information. Yes, that's right. You're the one that uh, contacts, makes contact. Um, and in those circumstances, uh, you can be relatively sure that you're safe in providing that information but of course if you're doing that online and you don't have the most up-to-date virus protection and firewalls it is possible that you may have a virus in your uh, computer that is uh, capturing that information and sending off to someone you don't want to have it no, and you don't know and you don't know there are viruses that could be in in computers if you don't keep the most up-to-date uh, viral protection um, keylogger viruses which are recording all your keystrokes hmm. 
and then sending them off to uh, a criminal somewhere. And they, they, they then acquire the same information. Some little things, I suppose, we could look at, and we just heard on the news here that uh, they're encouraging people in the Newcastle area to lock their letterboxes because there's a fraud going on. People are stealing it for, to see if they can get gifts or money that might be their birthday cards or something. But apart from that, also utility bills. Now, one, lock your letterbox. Absolutely, and have a letterbox that's big enough to um, to take all the mail because uh, it's fine locking it, but if it's small and there's mail sprouting out from the front of it, well, it's not very secure. In- inviting, isn't it, when you walk past? <laughs> Absolutely. What, what about shredding things? Well, number one, if you need to keep bills, if they're, uh, if they're uh, fairly recent, keep them under lock and key in your house because offenders are now breaking into houses not just to steal goods and not just to steal money, but to to steal documents that have, that um, provide them with identification information. Um, if you don't need them anymore, shred them. Mm. Uh, because uh, offenders still go through garbage, uh, and if they can acquire a bank statement, it gives them a, um, a wealth of information. It tells them not only who you are, but it tells them which bank you, you, you bank with. It gives you your account number, and generally the amount of money that's going through the account. And if there's a lot of money in there, it raises your profile as being a target. Also, talking to, you might be out somewhere at a barbecue, talking to friends and then strangers and uh, divulging personal information. You never know who they are? Absolutely, and very much online as well. Uh, we have uh, this Facebook networking sites. What about yes, this Facebook? Right. Is Absolutely. that a problem? Well, I always say if, you, if you're not willing to put certain information on a wall, um, in Martin Place in the city, or Hunter Street in Newcastle, don't put it on your, your, your wall on Facebook. But you see, a lot more people will see it. I, I, I don't touch it, but I, my, my family have used it, and I've seen information on there, and I'm thinking, what the hell have they got that on there for? Absolutely, and uh, even photos. I mean, offenders will look. If you don't, uh, if you don't have restrictions on um, on your uh, Facebook for friends only, and there are ways of offenders hacking into these sites, but uh, if it's completely open, um, people can look at it, they can look at your private photos, and from that they can profile you as having a fair amount of money because you've just been on a, um, a nice holiday, you've got a very nice car, you live in a good suburb. Um, that prof- that um, allows them to target you as a potential victim because obviously you're living a fairly good lifestyle. Mm. People don't realise that. The amount of the information you put on there, we have had offenders who don't need to use malware or other viruses in computers. They will guess passwords from the information they glean from people, either either in a chat room. Mm. And we've had offenders who say, um, um, "Oh, my mother's looking over my shoulder. She thinks she went to school with your mother. What was her name before she got married? <laughs> um, what's the name of your dog? Yeah, your um, pet. All these things allow them to guess." passwords and they'll have uh, um, 100 or 200 attempts at it and generally they're fairly successful. Uh, so if you want to use those sort of things, spell them backwards or make errors in them. Yes, absolutely. Help your passwords that way. Yes. Okay, look, uh, what happens if one does find that their identity is stolen? What do, what do they do? Well, number one, if, uh, if their bank accounts have been compromised, they should immediately report that to their bank. They should have their cards cancelled or replaced. Um, passwords should be changed. Pins should be changed. Uh, because while all those um, are current, uh, your uh, financial situation is still vulnerable. Uh, report it to the police if, you're, if you've lost money. Um, you can report that either through the police assistance line by on the telephone or go to your local police station. Um, and take all the steps you can 
uh, to change your identity profile. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't uh, advise anyone to go to the uh, extent of changing your name or moving house, but certainly <laughs> those things, the electronic signatures that you have, your pins and passwords, you should change and change them regularly. Mm. Okay, then we'll, we'll be back in a moment to talk some more areas of fraud. And you're listening to Finance Talkback at 14.21, Barry Preston. We're talking with uh, Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson, who is the commander of the Fraud Squad State Crime Command, New South Wales Police Force, and we're talking about fraud. Another one that uh, uh, was quite popular. I think it's still happening. Hey, Cole, congratulations. You've won a prize, trip tickets, or whatever the case may be, but there's certain information we require from you. Yes, that's right. And uh, once again, these are fishing uh, expeditions by the offenders. Um, they will say you've, bought a, you've won a prize in... Uh, in some sort of competition. Of course, if you haven't bought a ticket in that uh, competition, <laughs> it should be an indicator for you. That's right. Although they are saying now the offenders are trying to get around that by saying we've done surveys and you would have put a uh, responded to a survey somewhere or you've uh, filled out a form somewhere and uh, uh, that's how we're running the, the competition. Um, but notwithstanding that, people should be really suspicious if they've been received a, a cold call, especially a phone call, and then they want your bank account details. You don't know who that person is, um, and you shouldn't be providing, it once again, any of your banking details unless you know you're absolutely sure who the person is. Um, ask them for their address. Where are they? If they're overseas, well, once again, that's a, a reason for suspicion. Mm. If you want a, surprise, a, a prize, there's no reason why you should be sending them money. Mm. I wonder if you actually said to the person, look, what we're going to do is, uh, we're interested in this sort of thing, but what we have to do is record this phone call so we can probably put a trace on it or something. I wonder what would happen then. I'm sure they'd hang up in your <laughs> So there you are, everybody, if you want to do that. Nothing wrong with that? Absolutely not. You'll protect, you, you can uh, record, um, I mean, the, you have to be careful with recording uh, conversations, but as long as you tell the person and you're doing it to protect your... Um, protect yourself legally, hmm. uh, there is an exemption. So, uh, yes, and if, uh, but even if your dad do it, if you put it to him, the proposal that you're going to... Yes, that's what I meant. Don't actually record it, but just say that you're going to record it because, uh, you know, it could be a fraud or something like that, and if they hang up, guess what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've saved yourself a lot of money. You can check your credit history too, I believe. There's, uh, we've had a lady on the program before, and I think you, you put us in touch with her, and I must get her back on to talk about this again. You can record so that you can have your credit history. If anything comes up, it sends you a message. It happened to me recently, and it, it worked perfectly. Yes, absolutely. And then there are a number of uh, agencies, that uh, three, three agencies, I think. Hmm. And you can actually do it online. Hmm. Um, and you can, as you say, you can set up an arrangement where if there, if there is some activity that affects your credit uh, rating, um, you will be informed. Hmm. It gives you a chance then to hmm. verify any activity on your accounts. This was brilliant, actually. We had an account that hadn't operated for a while, and all of a sudden I got an email. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? And sure enough, it was legitimate, but it just prompted our attention. Hey, this hasn't been used for a while. Is it yours? Which is fantastic. Yeah, that's a very good preventative tool. Mm. Okay, now, look, Cole, um, as you say, we should be changing our pins more frequently. Um, when we're using the ATM, use the old school trick of covering the pin number up with your hand. You see so many people in supermarkets and anywhere, just open, just putting their pin number in, they're giving their signature away. Yes, that's right. And normally if there's a device um, on the front of a... Um, an ATM, and they're getting harder and harder to, to detect now. Um, offenders are even using um, computer-aided design programs to design the devices to go in the front of ATMs, and they're made specifically for particular models of ATMs. So they blend in with the, the fascia of it 
very, very well. It's, I've seen photos of, uh, of ATMs that have the devices on and photos without them, and it was hard for me to, uh, to be sure which one was which, mm. uh, which had the devices and which didn't. So, but generally the camera is above. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly it may not be directly above, but obviously somewhere above the keypad so it can record your PIN number. So uh, if you hold your hand or a newspaper or anything else you have above your hand you're putting the PIN in with, um, it will restrict the view from the camera. And, of course, without the PIN, the offenders can't do anything. So you're protecting yourself, and those that don't protect themselves, well, they're open to fraud. Absolutely. One last one, which is a very, very dangerous one. I think it's still operating where people try to encourage you to uh, looking looking to join a company as a financial advisor or they'll train you to become a financial advisor or just to help them collect money and so forth and transfer it on. Is this a big problem still? Yes, it is, because offenders acquire uh, money, but they have somehow have to launder it, somehow have to dispose of it. Normally, they want to send the money overseas, but if they do it themselves, they set up an audit trail that leads, leads back to them. Mm. Um, so what they'll find is an, um, an innocent person. They'll advertise uh, for a position online uh, uh, to be a money manager or uh, that'll have a, has some sort of fancy title to it, but all you're required to do establish a savings account in your name Mm. they will put money into it and then you send money overseas to particular bank accounts under instruction you're allowed to keep a certain amount um, as your so-called salary Mm. the problem of course is you don't go through the normal processes that you would to acquire a a job Mm. Um, no one will they don't ask for the taxation Mm. your taxation uh, details generally Mm. Um, and it's if if they are offenders you it would be dangerous to give them those details details anyway uh, but all you're doing is laundering proceeds of crime and guess what once you're involved in that what does that mean well if, even if you have a suspicion or you're reckless if you think oh this sounds a bit funny but i'll keep doing it anyway because the pay's good you may find yourself in trouble with the law mm, because you'll become a, a party to that uh, act and it's fairly uh, dangerous this one isn't it yes absolutely and if it's under for instance the state uh, money laundering provisions um, uh, make you liable to anything up to 20 years jail. So there you are, listeners. Uh, we've uh, got the, the real hot information from uh, Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson, Commander from the Fraud Squad of the State Crime Command, New South Wales Police. Please be aware. Cole, on behalf of our listeners, uh, 2NURFM 103.7, thank you very much indeed, and we'll certainly pick up on some more information in a few months' time. Thank you very much on their behalf. Always a pleasure, Barry. Thanks very much. Thank you. Finance Talkback, and we're on Easy Listening 103.7.